Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, so turn in your Bible to uh, Genesis 29. And uh, last part here, and we'll, we'll begin by prayer. Father, thank you so much for, again, Lord, that great word. We thank you for the word that we have in front of us, and we thank you for the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And now, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes so that we can see things that otherwise we can't see. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now, Genesis 29, verse 31. Where we read, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren, and Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore, my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also, and she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bare a son, and said, Now. This time will my husband be joined unto me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. She conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah, and she left bearing. So far, what's been happening? We've been studying here about Leah. It's just been astounding to see what the Lord said about Leah, what her description is, what her title is, how she's known in verse 31, where it says, and the Lord saw that Leah was hated. What a title. She opened it, it opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So we just can't get over those words. You know, those are very important words to describe Leah. Leah was hated. That's her description. It's amazing. This is a mother who built up Israel and gave the most number of sons to build up Israel. She's the one who gave the most important son, Judah, after whom the, the Jews get their name, the Jews, from Judah. And this is a great woman who's described in verse 31 as Leah was hated. And the fact that she was hated tells everything about her because it was the hate, the fact she was hated, she was driven to God. The fact she was hated, this, this shaped her as a person. The fact that she was hated drove her to the naming of her three sons. So that what, the names that she gives, this, that she chooses for these three sons, it gives us the most insight into who Leah was as a person. And so she's named her sons, and, and as she's naming them, as we've seen, she's clearly expressing this pain in her heart for her husband hating her. And this was Leah's trial, and it was a trial at the time she was married to Jacob, and it was a trial all throughout her life. Jacob never stopped hating Leah. He never loved her. And that was Leah's lifelong trial throughout all her days that her, her husband would never come to love her. 
Her husband would always hate her. And so from the naming of these children, we've just been having this painting develop for us. It's just this pictures developing for us, this gradual development of Leah into a child of God who becomes happy in the Lord in spite of everything, in the very depressing situation, the trial of being hated. It just developed Leah into this wonderful child of God. Nothing else could have done that. Nothing else could have developed Leah except the fact that she was hated. And so because she was hated, she became a praying person. As we saw in Genesis 29, 33, verse 33, she conceived again and bare a son. She said, because the Lord have heard that I was hated. And as we saw before, it wasn't like, you know, that was the gossip around town. If you heard that Leah was hated, <laughs> it was because Leah told God, you know, that I'm hated. And she understood God heard her. And so it's from that verse that Leah prayed. See, we never read that about her sister. Her sister, Rachel, who was not hated, she was the loved one, but we never read where she prayed. But Leah prays, and Leah, Leah develops into this humble person, unlike Rachel, and it takes humility to pray. And when a person humbles themselves, then God looks at that person and says, now that's a person. He says in Isaiah 66, 1 through 2, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. God says, I put my foot down there. And where is the house that you'll build for me and the place of my rest? For all these things hath my hand made, and all these things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man, or this woman, this person will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite heart and trembleth at my word. That's Leah. That's Leah. Leah's great trial in life, it made her poor. It made her humble. It made her a praying person. And because she was that way, God says, I'm going to look at her. And he says, how the Lord saw, he looked, that she was hated. And then Leah used the naming of her sons, all these four sons, to embed in her mind the most important four life principles which we have here. And so we've been sitting down with Leah as she's been naming the sons and sitting in front of her. She's giving us tremendous teaching here, Leah is. I mean, we want to say to Leah, teach us, Leah, teach us. We're here sitting now. Teach us the four most important life principles in life, all that we need. So she does, okay, the first one. She names him Reuben. Reuben, Leah has been intensely aware that God is watching her. She's been intensely aware that God is seeing her affliction, and so she says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to dedicate the naming of my first son to this life principle, to this truth. God sees. God sees us. She's following Hagar, who, by the way, was the other hated, despised wife, and Hagar was also intensely aware of the truth. God sees us. And so Hagar chose that name for God. She says, that's what I'm going to call God. She said in Genesis 16, 13, and she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, thou God seest me. She says, that's my name for God. I'm going to call God, God the one who sees me. For she said, have I also here looked after him that seeth me. So in the naming of Reuben, Leah has taught us God sees us. Just like God saw the man who corrupts himself and provokes God to, to he saw that. God saw how man on the earth corrupted his way, made his life corrupt, and provoked God to destroy the whole earth, except for eight people. And it said that, God saw, same word. In Genesis 6, 12, God looked 
upon the earth. And behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So with the name of Reuben, Leah is teaching us God sees everything on earth. This is what it says in Psalm 102, 19. For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven did the Lord behold the earth. See, that verse teaches us that God may be in a very high place, which he is, described as the height of his sanctuary, described as heaven, but even from such a high place, it says, he hath looked down and did the Lord behold the earth. So when the Lord beholds the earth, he's not just restricted to just one place. Well, I can see one place now. He's looking, as it says in Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. It's an interesting word, beholding, behold. It says behold. It uses this word, behold, and beholding. It's describing for us an activity of God on the earth. And Job puts it in Job 28, 24, this activity, for he looketh. Same word. He looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven. And we read it in that verse in Job 28, 24, it says he looketh to the ends of the earth. And then we put that together with Proverbs 15, 3. His eyes are in every place. We understand God is not just aware of what's happening on earth. He's, he's looking. He's looking from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. And nothing is hid from his view. Nothing is hid from his view. You know, God doesn't say to Jerry, uh, Jerry, I'm, I'm sorry, can you please move aside? I, I can't see Dave behind you. <laughs> There's Dave, okay. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, he, can't, he doesn't do that, see? And Adam didn't understand this. <laughs> Adam didn't understand. See, because it says in Genesis 3:8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the garden, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. See, if I get behind this tree, God can't see me. He's going to have to say, can you step aside? I can't see. Okay, let me see a little better. And so God didn't say, Adam, you know, can you come out from hiding from behind those trees? Because I can't see you hiding in the trees there. See, and God made this clear when he told Jeremiah, you tell the Jewish people this principle. In Jeremiah 23, 23 through 24, he said, am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Should saith the Lord, did not I fill the heaven and the earth, saith the Lord? See, when God looks on the earth, we're told that he's particularly focused on man. He's focused on man. It says in Psalm eleven four, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. It says his eyelids try the children of men. You know, his eyelids try, you know, the children of men. In other words, he's investigating. It's really investigating, looking very closely. We know what it means when a person focuses his eyelids, kind of really looking you. <laughs> and so it says in Psalm 33, verse 13 through 14, the Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon the inhabitants of the earth. See, we're told that God sees, he sees right through us. He sees right through us, and we have to give an account to God. And that's what's said in, in Hebrews 4.13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Totally open. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. For God, this earth, where we're down here right now, it's like a stadium. Right? It's like Jack Murphy Stadium right now. <laughs> and we're on the field, and God's in the best seat. <laughs> he can see everything. He sees the whole panorama. Everything is going on, he sees it. 
And so these verses are telling us that God's looking for something on earth. When he's looking in for man, he's looking, he's searching. And we ask ourselves, well, what's God looking for when he goes and he's looking on earth? We're told what he's looking for in Second Chronicles 16, 9, where it says, for the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. See, this verse is telling us God's eyes are just running back and forth and back and forth. He's scouring the earth. He's looking for what? He's looking for an opportunity. How could God be looking for an opportunity? He's God, but he is. He's looking for an opportunity. What kind of an opportunity is God looking for? The opportunity to show himself strong for someone who is perfectly trusting in him. He says, when I find that one, God's anxious. God's anxious. He's anxious to, I'm looking, I'm looking back and forth. Who, where's the person who is perfectly trusting in me? Because you know what? I want to show myself strong in the life of that person who is a God-trusting, God-fearing, self-abasing, the Lord Jesus Christ-exalting person. Where's that person? That's God. And he's anxious, and he's looking for that. And he looks from one end to the other, and he asks the question, is this the person? Is this the person? Is this my opportunity to show myself strong for now, what else is God looking for as he scours the earth? Psalm 14.2 says, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see, again our word, to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. See, there is the Lord again. He's looking down to see, does anyone understand? Understand what? Does anyone understand that I'm the creator of all things? Or does anyone have an understanding that's different from you know, in the beginning, there, nothing exploded, <laughs> and we have the perfect cosmos. Does anybody have that kind of understanding? Does anybody have an understanding that man is sinful and in desperate need of God's mercy? Does anybody understand that? Does anybody understand that God is merciful and wants to save man from his sin? God says, does anybody have that understanding? See, does anybody understand that God is to be sought for as the last and only hope for man. Does anybody understand that? Does anybody understand that God is looking down from heaven to see if anyone understands and seeks God? See, God is intensely looking for this person. He's looking for this person who will pray this kind of prayer and say, oh God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sins. I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for my sins. I have no other option. I accept you as my Savior. Please save me from my sins. God God says, does anybody understand? Anybody praying that prayer? And his eyes are running back and forth on the earth looking for that person who will pray and mean that prayer. And then Leah, she was intensely aware of the second life principle, and that is that God hears prayer. He hears and so Leah dedicated the name of her second son to the fact that God hears prayer. That's verse 33. She conceived, again, bear a son. She said, because the Lord hath heard, Shema, that I was hated. He hath therefore given me the son also. And she calls his name Shimeon or Shimon. So you say, well, God hears prayers? You say, what kind of, God, what kind of prayers does God hear? You say, what kind of God, does God hear the prayer? Help me win the lottery. Do you see that sign up there on the freeway now, Lord? It's $150 million. I could use that. <laughs> what kind of prayers does God hear? Well, what kind of prayers does God not hear? It says in Job 35, 13, there's a prayer that God doesn't hear. Surely God will not hear vanity. Neither will the Almighty regard it. He doesn't hear that. The word vanity, it's not like I was just describing about, you know, the, the freeway. But the word vanity is shav, and that's the Hebrew word for evil. 
So if a person is asking God, God, help me to destroy that person. Help me to kill those people. That's evil. God says, I'm not going to hear that. I won't hear that prayer. See, in Isaiah 115 is another prayer that God doesn't hear. He says, when you spread forth your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. So when a person continues is in sin and continues in sin, God says, I'm not hearing. I'll not hear those prayers. It says in James 4, 6, he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, if a person is proud and arrogant, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that person. God says, forget about it. I'm not picking up the line. I won't pick up the receiver. I won't hear those prayers. See, those are the kinds of prayers that God will not hear. Evil, a person who continues in his sin, pride and arrogance. He says, I'm not hearing those prayers. So, okay, so those are the kind of prayers that God doesn't hear. But what kind of prayer does God hear? What kind of prayers does God hear? You know, first of all, sin has dire consequences for man. And God hears the prayers of the confession of the consequences of sin. You know, God hears prayers where a person confesses weakness as a consequence of sin. In Psalm 31.10, David said, For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. God hears those prayers. God hears the prayers of my sins have weakened me. God hears the prayers of the consequence of sin. God hears the prayers of confessing a break in the relationship with God as a consequence of sin. Okay? In Psalm 66, 18, David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And God hears the prayers. My sins have made you not hear me. He hears those prayers. God hears the prayers of confessing a separation from God as a consequence of sin. As it says in Isaiah 59, 2, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you. He will not hear. See, God hears the prayers. My sins have separated me from God. God hears those prayers. He hears the prayers of an overwhelming guilt as a consequence of sin, as in Psalm 38, 4. For mine iniquities are gone over my head, and are a heavy burden, they're too heavy for me. See, God hears the kind of prayers that say, Lord, my sins have left me with a crushing guilt. He hears those prayers. See, next, God hears the prayers of confessing sin. As David confessed in his life, all of Psalm 51 is all about David's confession. It says, starts off in Psalm 51, verse 1, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness." according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me, he's crying out for cleansing. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sins. And then he goes on and says what he does. I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That's a confession of sin. Another confession of sin in Psalm 79, 9. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. See, God hears those kind of prayers. God hears prayers of confessing sin. Jacob did that when he was in deep trouble in Genesis 32, Genesis 32, 10. 
And he said, I'm not worthy of the least of thy mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. See, God hears prayers of confessing sin. As when the publican, he stood up there, that's what he did. He confessed his sin in, in Luke 18, 13 through 14. Luke 18, 13, the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his chest, his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then the Lord said, I tell you, this man, he went down to his house justified rather than the other. Everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. Him that humbles himself shall be exalted. Why did he go back justified? He was heard. He was heard. God hears those prayers of confessing sin. God hears the prayers of asking him for help. He hears those prayers as in Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He hears those kind of prayers. God hears the prayers of when we say to God, you're my helper. Call God a helper. He hears those prayers. As in Psalm 54.4, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. As in Hebrews 13.6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord's my helper. I'll not fear what man shall do to me. God hears the prayers of his children asking God as their father to help. As it says in Romans 8, 14 through 15, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God hears prayers where we cast worry on him where we cast anxiety on him. God hears those prayers. As it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And in Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And then David says there's a time when he particularly trusts, and it says that in, in Psalm 56, 3, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And then the time when he was really afraid, and he thought, this is it. His own people were going to kill him. In 1 Samuel 36, David was greatly distressed, and the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. How did David encourage himself in the Lord his God? By praying. God hears the prayers when he's asked for guidance, when he's asked for direction, when he's asked for leading in life, God hears those prayers. As it says in Psalm 25, 4, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in, the, in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. It's those words, show me, teach me, lead me. He hears those prayers. In Psalm 25, 8, he hears a prayer like, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, will he teach sinners in the way? He'll teach them. In Psalm 43, 3, oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me into thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. He hears those prayers. Lord, send me your light. Send me your light. Send me your light to lead me. Send your light to bring me. In Isaiah 49, 10, they shall never hunger nor thirst, and neither shall the heat nor the sun smite them, for he that hath mercy shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them. And, and that's the scene we see even in heaven. Even in heaven. It says in, in Revelation seven seventeen, for the lamb which is in the midst of them shall feed them. 
and shall lead them unto living waters, living fountains of water. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You think, oh, I'm so dependent on God right now. As soon as I get a new body, as soon as I get out of here, I won't be dependent on God anymore. No, it says all eternity, he says he's going to feed us. All eternity, he's going to lead us and wipe away the tears from our eyes. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.